when it comes to closing thoughts on the season, I think that as we've seen with, with Insignia and Berndeski coming in, they've come in and TFC have been arguably worse off for it. And you have to be a certain level of shit as a manager for that to be the case. You know, if you say, here's two world-class players, go out and be worse than you were before. Back to TFC Story with your host Alan Laycock Fuchs and Lawrence Labibi. Uh, originally, we were going to do a, a TFC playoff preview, but obviously that didn't need to happen. So we're just going to go straight to sort of the, the year-end wrap-up and take a look at everything overall. So, Lawrence, do you want to get us started with overall thoughts on, on the season? Yeah, let's get straight into it. I think we, we both agree overall. A pretty terrible season. There were a few minor highlights in there, but overall, everything that could have gone wrong pretty much went wrong. Am I am I right in, in assuming we both feel the same way? We both feel the same way, but like in general, TFC land, I feel like the majority of reviews of the season of Bob Bradley even have been largely positive, like seven out of ten stuff. And I would ask these good, guys, good but not great. Yeah, well, they can simply <laughs> look at the league table and. Uh, the table doesn't lie. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the big. The, I think. I think the things that people. So the the narrative I would say about Bob Bradley is just that, and we've talked about this off air as well. But obviously, he's Michael Bradley's father. So when he joins the club, he's already got this kind of love in factor. TFC have never really hired managers with experience before. Um, even our greatest manager, arguably, Greg Vanny, came in, people forget, with no experience. So with Bob Bradley, he's got some Premier League experience, and obviously a lot of TFC fans kind of look at the Premier League as the pinnacle. But what's kind of lost in the narrative is that he was there for a cup of coffee, and he's quickly found out by Swansea. But I think these factors, that he's got experience, so he's already connected to the club in a way through his son, it, it has extended the honeymoon period to ridiculous levels, and... I don't think it's it's fair because, and, and probably a lot of TFC fans listening to this, season seat holders, got the same email that I did saying it was a transitional year, next year is going to be better, but what indications have we seen this season that Bob Bradley is going to do anything better next season? That's uh, my I would, I would argue we've point. seen nothing. Yeah. Like I've said about the league table, you only have to look at the table, the facts don't lie. Then you factor in... The two Italians he brought, or three, if you include Crescito as well, top-class players, international players that he brought in, that should theoretically have, have, have transformed the, the fortunes of TFC overnight, and that didn't happen. Anything that happened in those games was through moments of individual brilliance, not through team yeah, cohesiveness, not through teamwork, certainly not through anything in, in terms of defensive units, and the man seemed to be clueless from day one. And we only have to look at the fact that his first job at, uh, at TFC, the, pretty much the first thing he did, was get rid of all the fullbacks. You know, he loaned out Oro Jr. He was happy to see uh, Lawrence go at left back. And he seemingly was setting up for, because obviously Richie Larea had gone. We're still dealing with the fact that Justin Morris retired. 
he was setting TFC up to be a team that doesn't play fullbacks. And that's fine. You know, there's, there's enough centre-backs to go around. If that's the way he wants to play, then you don't need fullbacks in the squad. And that idea, that big plan, lasted about three weeks. And he went back to a back four, and guess what? There was no one left to play either left-back or right-back. So he was trying, yeah, square pegs in round holes, basically. So you're trying Schaffelberg there, who did a fine job, but it's not his primary position. You know, luckily he got Richie Larea back, but that's not through his own, you know, wheeling and dealing or skills as a manager. That's just, Larea wasn't getting a game, he said, can I come back? Cool. There's your right back. That's not management. That's not skill. It's not hard for a, for a manager to come in, look at the squad, decide the way he wants to play, look at who's coming in, look at who he wants to get in, look at who's going out, and have a, a general plan for the season. He didn't have a plan from day one. Which makes me think he's a complete fool. But I don't want to get too into my frustration, Tom. But, you know, you can feel that... This is not going to be a love-in episode, but I think sometimes these episodes make for better episodes. But there was a, yeah, lack of foresight, lack of plan. And I wonder if it's... There's a fine line between having maybe a massive ego and just being completely inept. Um, but there was, early on in the season, a point where he had his son playing centre-back... Uh, in a back five, and of the three center backs that he played that in, in one of the early games, I remember there was a statistic that the, all three combined had a total MLS experience of like 280 games or something like that, and all 280 of those games belonged to Michael Bradley. And if you counted the... So, so the other two center backs had zero MLS experience. And if you counted the fullbacks, I think there was only one game between the two of them that they'd had MLS experience before. Um, I think Marshall Rudy had played the game before or something. So, uh, and Chung had no experience. McNaughton had no experience. So is this arrogance or is this just ineptitude? But to, to go into the season thinking that these young kids and these inexperienced players can pull off a miracle is just... I mean, that speaks volumes there of Bob yeah. Bradley. Yeah. I think that's, like we say, defense-wise, it's been a, a complete shit show from day one. Pardon my, my French, but uh, yeah, that's that's the basic summary of the, if you're looking at the defense as a unit, in terms of the individuals and collectively, it's been their biggest downfall this season, I would say. Um, like you say, I mean, the centre-backs, okay, that was bad luck where they had three and it was, you know, the, the two younger guys without much experience. Obviously, going into the season, we had Salcedo, that was, you know, a DP that was supposed to be the man to bring stability back to the TFC backline. He didn't do that, not necessarily his fault. Daniel Henry came back during the season, had, let's say, pretty much no effect whatsoever on the team. I think his, uh, his days as a, as a top defender are basically over. Chris Mavinga had some, from what we heard, some off-field struggles that affected his on-field performance. I still think he's a reliable centre-back. I still think he's decent. But when you're going into a season and really relying on, yeah, O'Neill, McNaughton to be your, your guys that are going to keep clean sheets in, in the MLS, it's, it's not going to happen. And we've seen that. And uh, another thing that I would say regarding yeah, Bradley and his big plan, he obviously looked at you know the, the defensive frailties and saw that he needed some experience back there with Salcedo going out. He brought in uh, Krishita, who is a, a player who's got bags of experience, has got caps for Italy, knows what he's doing. That should be the guy that goes straight into your team at centre-back. And I don't think he played a minute at centre-back for TFC this season. He was shifted out to left-back, and the only reason he was shifted out to left-back 
is because Bradley didn't have another left back because he'd got rid of Lawrence and hadn't brought someone in to replace Morrow in the first place. So it's papering over the cracks. Ultimately, Bradley's inability to see what's missing and address the problems is what has created this problem with needing players halfway through the season, playing them out of position, and just hoping for the best. And guess what? The best wasn't good enough. Right, and you talked about some moments there where there was certain instances with uh, off-field problems or whatever, uh, circumstances, but I think one of the great things about a show like this where we do a, a, like an overview is you can really see sort of in, in broad terms the effect that Bob Bradley had on the team because if, if I read off this team, and I know some of these players only played half a season, but a half a season is still a long time. If you've got an MLS squad with Insignia, Pozuelo, Benedeschi, Osario, Bradley, Kay, Crescito, Salcedo, Larea, Bono, Westberg. I mean, that team, at a bare minimum, should be making the playoffs. And if they'd made the playoffs and been eliminated after the first match, I would have said that was a, a bad season. And to not even make the playoffs. And, down the stretch, when they needed to win virtually all of their games, the fact that Bob Bradley won zero games when they needed to win games, I think that tells you everything you need to know about Yeah. Him, we're, as a manager of this club. We're not dealing with a guy who's not quite good enough. We're dealing with a guy who has not got a clue what he's doing. No. You know, football has passed him by. And maybe 10 years ago, he'd have been like a man with a plan. But if you see, right from the very beginning, his plan was to say, we don't need fullbacks at this club. And within three weeks, realized, guess what? He needed fullbacks at this club. And tried to address the problems, but too late. And... Yeah, I mean, you listed off some great players. Obviously, in terms of the, you know, the transition, if we want to use that word, that, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that horrible word that's going around at the moment when you used to describe TFC. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, when you talk about Insigne, Benedeschi, Pozuelo, Salcedo, they weren't all there at the same time. There was that period, first half of the season, where Pozuelo left, and Salcedo left as well, and obviously Insigne and Benedeschi came in. So we cannot say that they were all in the team at no. the same time, but still... A when team. you're talking about players of that quality, don't forget Insignia and Benedeschi, the two highest paid players in the MLS at the same club, and you're talking about a team that finished, what, 13th in the Eastern Conference? That is, honestly, I can say I would do a better job as TFC manager. And that's not saying much, you know? Most people listening to this would. Right. And that's, that's, that's my basic point, is that I don't want to... This is not just a hate on Bob Bradley. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, and I don't... You know, but... There's nothing that happened in this season that gives me any indication that things are going to be better next season. Like, I didn't see any sign or indication of that. But exactly. Let's, let's go into individual players now, just kind of, unless you've got anything else you want to say about Bob Bradley. No, I mean, I think I've said everything I needed to say. And it's like you say, he came into a club where his son had been playing for seven seasons already. So it only would have taken one conversation with Michael to say, Michael, what have we got? What do we need? Where are we going? Where have we been? What's the plan? And I can't imagine Michael Bradley being that stupid as to say, hey, Dad, we don't need any fullbacks at the club this season. Or I'll tell you what, actually, you know what? With Richard Array going, should we maybe bring in a right back so that we've got some like, competition for places with Oro Jr. there as well? Oh, you want to get rid of Oro Jr. as well? Okay, do you want to have maybe a right back at the club in case we need a game where there's a right back? No, not even have one at the club at all. Okay, we'll do that. How about left back? Oh, you want to do exactly the same thing there and have no registered, recognized fullbacks at the club? And you think that's going to take you far? 
I don't get it, you don't get it. Anyone who really thinks about it, even the most positive, die-hard fan that only wants to see the positives, it's, it's like going into a season with no goalkeepers and saying, ah, stick a defender there, it'll be fine. Anyway, these are my thoughts, and there you go. Let's, let's get into it, at least, yeah, player by player, or at least position by position. I mean, goalkeepers, I think... No one was particularly happy with either Bono or Westberg. We know that they're now both going to be out of contract, so they're not going to be there next season. Anything to add on either of those two? Well, this this just scares me of like the lack of foresight and plan, seemingly, from Bob Bradley. So now the only goalkeeper that we seemingly have at the club is Greg Ranjit Singh, who doesn't have... Any experience at the top level? I don't recall basically. him playing for TFC no. at all. No, maybe no. he did in a Canadian uh, Cup game, but in an MLS, I don't recall. No, him and I—he's a 29-year-old keeper. He's you know he's not a young kid anymore, but he doesn't really have any experience at a top level. He's you know played with some top clubs, but never in the first team. So that scares me because I can believe that Bob Bradley thinks, "Oh, this will be okay." Just like it's probably okay that we have Marshall Bruti playing right back. You know, it's not his natural position and whatever. Um, and we saw, you know, uh, Marshall Bruti, fantastic talent, probably going to be a great player one day. But you saw how teams targeted our fullbacks early in the season when we were playing these inexperienced kids. And uh, yeah, this this scares me for next season if we don't get another goalkeeper. Basically, yeah. But in terms of Bono. Anything you want? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Just on the keepers. I mean, look, Alex Bono, great, great uh, servant to the club for the years that he was there. A decision's been made that, you know, they could get somebody better. And I think Westberg is, you know, he's been a great player. He's had a good career, but probably is a little bit over the hill now, if you don't mind me saying. Um, So you have to assume, or you would assume, any normal manager that's allowing two players to leave in one position has a plan to bring somebody else in. But again, it's Bob Bradley we're talking about. So, you know, it could be the case that he doesn't bring anyone else in and that we just go into the season with, uh, yeah, with one keeper. You know, you, you might laugh about it and think I'm, you know, making a joke. And obviously I am. But we are also talking about a man who went into the beginning of last season with no right back and no left back. So I've mentioned Marshall Ruti already. Maybe we can start with right back and talk about the players that played that position this year. You want to start with Marshall Rudy? He didn't play much, but your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is that Marshall Rudy is not a right back. He is a, for me, an attacking midfielder or a wide midfielder that a lot of European clubs were looking at that has had a lot of buzz around his future. Uh, I know he had some, some, yeah, some injuries this season, but in general, this, he's one of the, the guys that, you know, when you look at the future of Canadian soccer, is someone that, you know, there's big hopes for. And he's played a few games as a backup right back. I mean, that in itself is a problem. And that speaks volumes about how Bob's big plan probably isn't, you know, very well planned. But when he's come in, he's done well. He's obviously, for me, looked better going forward than he has defensively. Um, but for me, he's not, you know, he, he, he's a right back in the same way that uh, Schaffenberg is a left back. As in, he can do it, yeah, but it's not his primary position. All right. Uh, Lorea? Richie Lorea has come back into TFC and done exactly what was expected of him. Great player, one of Canada's, I'd say, top five players. Um, one of the best dribblers of the ball we've ever seen in MLS. The number of times he's been able to get round people and force a penalty, you know, the, in the last minute against New York away uh, in the playoffs a couple or three years ago it was now. 
his ability to actually take people on and get round. And you saw, even from the first game, that he was back in the team, the difference that it made. Uh, I still believe that he's not really a right-back. I mean, you can ask him to play there and he'll do the job. But I don't necessarily think it's his strongest position because of what I said about his abilities getting forward. Um, but he's been excellent. He really has. He never really had a bad game from when he came back in. Great to see him back in the squad. And it's crazy, too, because, uh, yeah, he went on loan in January, I believe, uh, to Nottingham Forest, of course. And I can't remember when he exactly came to TFC. Was it around May or so? But it had been a couple months where he hadn't really played any competitive football. And he just slotted right back in. He's just like a natural athlete um, in the way that, like, Atiba Hutchinson is for, for Canada. But that's <laughs> we'll get into Canada in, in the next episode. But yeah, was there anyone else that played? Well, I mean, there were a few people that probably played right back throughout the season. Any other sort of on that right side that you want to mention? Or uh, not really on the right side, no, because, I mean, yeah, I think we covered we covered the fullback positions. The other thing to say is that I mentioned it a couple of times, Schaffelberg was asked to play left back a lot in the first half of the season after TFC went back to the back four. I think he never really had a bad game. Like, he always did really well uh, getting forward on counterattacks, overlapping... I thought he was really good, and then he obviously he, he suffered the sort of Bob in that he you know he saw potential in him as a left back, and obviously as soon as you become you know half decent as a fullback at uh, TFC, Bob gets rid of you. So uh, he was out for the second half of the season. Can't be explained, you know. Local boy done well, played well in the team, showed what he can do, and just loaned out for for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you that he surprised me at how good he was defensively. We all knew that he could go forward and, and attack, but uh, yeah, defensively he was better than I was expecting him to be. Um, I guess when Kushito came in, that was the end for, for him playing uh, because Bob Bradley seems singularly focused that players can only play one position. Even though a guy like Kushito, as you said, could play centre-back, he could have helped us, I believe, even in the midfield. Um, but no, he's uh, Left-back by name, left-back by nature, I guess. Do you want to go to the centre-backs, then? Yeah, as we go into the centre-backs, I mean, we had hopes for Salcedo coming in last season as a DP. Um, but I think the important thing to remember, you know, with this DP system that we have in MLS, is defending is something that's done as a unit. A world-class defender, you know, Virgil van Dijk in MLS would still not be that great if the team around him didn't work together as a So just buying, you know, getting in a world-class centre-back and expecting him to then you know, turn the fortunes around in the same way that a world-class striker would do in terms of goals and assists, that's not something that's ever going to happen. So in my mind, getting in a, a centre-back as a DP is never really worth it because you can get a centre-back in with experience that doesn't have to come as a CB. And... A lot of the times, it's uh, it's experience that makes the difference, not necessarily class. I think it's necessary for somebody to be a leader on the pitch, and yeah, I mean something that was talked about a little bit in the in the, the season when Salcedo came in. So he didn't even speak English. So how can he lead the team and be telling everyone around him what to do if he doesn't speak the language? I mean, as far as I know, they had to switch to Spanish for the first few games of the season um, when he was like, you know finding his feet in the league. And luckily, Aro Jr., who was there at the, yeah, at the time, he could speak Spanish and they could communicate with each other. Osorio, obviously, as well. But you, you can't rely on someone like that to be the leader on the pitch, the leader in the, in the defence, 
in the, you know, in the way that someone like Stephen Caldwell was, who was never a world-class centre-back, but by the time he arrived at TFC, he had the experience, he had the know-how, he had the leadership on the pitch. That's really what you want in your back line. Aro Jr., by the way, mentioning him, we didn't really talk about him, but it is a bit of a head-scratcher that he was sent out on loan because of his ability to get forward and to defend. He's quality fullback. The only thing, and I'm giving Bob Bradley the benefit of the doubt here, but the only thing I can think of is his contract is something like 300000 or something. He's expensive for a defender, so maybe they were trying to yeah, get something. Him, but, but do you not think, Adam, with Murray leaving, yeah. you have to prioritize oh, yeah, having yeah. at least one right back in the club. <laughs> it's not... It's not it's simple common sense, you know. You don't have to be that intelligent to work out that that's what's required. No, and I, I'm just struggling to find a negative, and that's the only negative I can think of with Arl Jr. is his salary, perhaps. But he, he's flexible. He can play left or right. I mean, obviously uh, an asset to, you would think, any club. Center backs, there was McNaughton, there was O'Neill. Any thoughts on them before we move to the mid? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned them both uh, earlier in the game. There was a lot. Of, they got a lot more game time this season than probably either of them expected to get. And I thought when called upon... Both actually were really good, you know, in, in terms of what was expected of them and how they performed on the pitch. I don't think that they were ever really that bad. They just aren't great players to begin with, if you see what I mean. So in terms of expectation, they did what was expected of them. They played well. But you cannot go into games in MLS coming up against top strikers with, with those two as your starting centre-backs. Mavinga, if he's there, has got to be a starter. And I, I do feel that... It probably is necessary to bring in another centre-back uh, in the summer. If, if I mean, personally, I would play Crescito as a centre-back, um, but if Bob Bradley doesn't want to do that for whatever reason, I think it's necessary to bring somebody else in uh, in the off-season as we go into the new season, because yeah, you can't rely on O'Neill, McNaughton and, and Chung, for example, to be you know starting MLS uh, centre-backs. Yeah, good, good call on Mavinga, though, by the way. I forgot to mention him myself, uh, but I really, I think he's my, my personal favorite center back. I know sometimes he can, he can be a little bit exposed and has to catch up using his physical um, ability, but he's able to do that, so I have no problem with it that he wants to use his, his physical attributes as well to help with his defending. Chung is one more defender that we haven't really spoken too much about, but he played a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he looked, when he was called upon, he looked okay. I, I, I can't really say more than that. He wasn't great. He certainly wasn't bad. He just did the job that was asked of him, basically. I, I, I would say, you know, TFC's fortunes on the pitch are never really going to be decided on whether Chung is getting games or not. All right. And another midfielder slash attacker um, turned fullback uh, to sort of transition us into the midfield was Cozy Thompson. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Cozy? <laughs> um, I mean, for me, you have to talk about the, let's say, the youth movement going on at TFC in the last couple of seasons as a collective unit. So for me, that is Nelson, that is Thompson, that is Preso when he was there, Okello, uh, Marshall Rossi that we've already discussed, uh, Kerr as well also came in. When you look at all of these guys, I'd say the one that got the most, let's say, traction or the most interest was probably Marshall Rossi with the other five, kind of a little bit lower down the you know, the, the level of interest that they were receiving. For whatever reason, Bob Bradley has decided that Nelson is the guy that he's going to prioritize. Nelson is the guy that he's going to give the minutes to, give the starts to, give the games to. I mean, yeah, let's, let's get into We're transitioning you now into midfield. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the central midfielders uh, later, but ultimately, with the guys I mentioned, 
in theory, they should all be getting the same amount of starts and the same amount of opportunities as each other. Bob Bradley hasn't arranged it that way. And there was a time during the season where he was starting Nelson every single week. And I understand that young players need to be playing and learning from mistakes and getting better. But Nelson was making the same mistakes and, you know, not performing, let's say, every week that he was starting. Trying to get the ball, run with it, getting tackled. And then wondering, oh no, what did I do wrong? Trying the same thing again. Again and again and again. I'm all for giving him an opportunity, but if you're going to give him an opportunity and he underperforms, then the following week you say, right, Marshall Rutty, show us what you can do further, further you know, playing in the Nelson position. Thompson, see what you can do the following week. I don't think it's fair that these guys have been overlooked for Nelson, who for me, he's full of promise, but he hasn't done anything to fulfill that promise yet. He has looked decent in some games. Don't get me wrong. The kid's going to be a player. There's no doubt about it. But he should not be taking the position of others who are not getting the minutes and then could be, you know, they, they could just be thrown away like they're nothing, basically. So, um, Alan, any, any favourites along that group? Well, there's two things, there's two points I would, I would make um, in connection to what you just said. So the first is all these young players, how many of them actually improved this season under Bob Bradley? Like, you, you can't really say any of them really did. And the other thing is... Bob Bradley seems very inflexible when it comes to his positions. He doesn't usually play players out of the position that they are supposedly, that's their position. But out of the one player he does make an exception for is Nelson. So it seems to me, based on his skill set, Nelson is more of like a wide player, a winger and inside forward, whatever, but not a central midfielder. And, and his skill set, I think, I think that was part of the problem. He was playing out of position. But yeah, making the same mistakes over and over again and not being trained by Bob Bradley to improve or being pushed to get better, really. And, and yeah, it seems like the system failed our young players this season. And yeah, we all know who was in charge of the system. Yeah. I, would, I would second that. I mean, there are players who've come in and done a good job when they've been asked to do it. And they've looked decent. But it's like you say, how many have really improved this season under Bob Bradley? You know, people could argue that Nelson has, but if you get minutes, you're going to improve a little bit by default. It's not like he's become a world beater. It's not like he's really become, you know, the next big thing in Canadian soccer. He might make the World Cup squad. Probably not, let's be honest. Um, and you have to assume if somebody had been getting the starts that he'd been getting ahead of all the others that I mentioned, he's someone who should be going to Qatar. And if he's not, probably says more about Bob Bradley than... Well, then, <laughs> then you need to know, let's say. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add well, on? We just we got to save all the Qatar talk for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, when it comes to central midfielders, I mean, with Michael Bradley, you know what you're getting. With, with Jonathan Osorio, you know what you're getting. We have also seen Kay come in this... Uh, when was it he came in? Alan? He came oh, in later, the second half of the season. Exactly. Now, this is a guy that's got a lot of MLS experience, Canadian international, can go straight into the eleven. And he's someone that can, you know, change your fortunes overnight, basically. And that didn't happen. I know he had some injuries. I know he was missing from the team for quite a long time. But he really didn't make much of a difference when he came in. And I, again, I'm going to say it again. It says more about Bob Bradley and arguably Michael Bradley, who would be his midfield partner, than it does about the individual players. 
Is there anyone else who are missing from the midfield? <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I was going to mention Preso. I was quite impressed with him when he, when he played. He, he remember that game when he scored from about 30 yards out? Yeah. looked decent. And he's gone now. And that, to me, can't really be explained. Um, if he was going out on loan to get game time, sure, why not? But Michael, uh, sorry, Bob Bradley has decided he's, you know, not worth keeping around. And the argument, okay, Kay was coming in. And he was going to take his, his game time. Yeah, I get it. But there are certain players that are worth keeping hold of. And yeah, I, I think he, you know, he's still a teenager. He, he's someone who's going to have a bright future and should still be at TFC, quite frankly. All right, let's move into the attacking positions now. And actually, I want to start with one sort of controversial, controversial figure, Pozuelo. What did you think of him in the first half of the season? MLS MVP... How did he play under Bob Bradley? Well, guys, if you if you think I've been... Uh, if you can feel my frustration coming through the microphone already when I've talked about Bob Bradley, Bob Bradley in the defense, you've seen nothing yet. I mean, I'm going to try and control myself on this on this front, but let's get into it, Alan Pozuelo. I think Alejandro Pozuelo is my second favorite player in 12 years of watching TFC. A joy to watch every week. You know, he is not someone that was brought in to be the new Jivinko. He was not a goal scorer. He's not, you know, particularly pacey. He is a creator. He is someone that is essentially the, the Kevin De Bruyne of MLS, at least, you know, when this season when he won uh, the MVP. And, yeah, maybe he didn't perform as well in the first half of this, this season as he had in previous seasons. He had a pretty good partnership going with, uh, with Jimenez. They seemed to have a good understanding on the pitch. Was he worth the money he was on? It's arguable. RTFC worse off without him? Again, it's arguable, because obviously we've replaced quality with quality. But for me, he's the biggest loss of the season. Yeah. Okay, the other two, or the other DPs, um, Insignia and Bernadeschi. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you want to say about these guys, Alan? Well, they came in with a lot of hype. Obviously, two of the highest-paid players in the league. I'm mean, the highest-paid player. So, a bit of pressure. Um, but these guys have quality. That's why they're brought in for the big money. They've played in these high-pressure situations before. They can handle it. How do you think they performed under Bob Bradley? This is kind of a two-part question for me. Now, obviously, the two guys have come in from the Italian league and have come straight into the team and shown from the beginning that they are a cut above everyone else in the league. You give the ball to them, and through moments of individual brilliance, one cutting in from the right on his left, the other cutting in from the left on his right, they can score goals that will win you games. TFC can play badly and still win games when either one or both of those guys are in the team. Simple as that. However, however, under Bob Bradley, I'm aware Okay, I should say. I'm aware that Lorenzo Insigne's uh, position in the Italian national team, playing all the years at Napoli, is left wing. And that he gets the ball out on the left and he cuts in on his right. I don't think that's the position that he should be playing for TFC. I think he should be playing where Jivinko played, where Pozuelo played, in the middle, behind a striker, so that every time you get the ball and you're looking to break or you're looking to come forward, he's the guy that you're looking for. And if he's in the middle in a free roll and he goes where he wants, he'll always be able to be found quite quickly. 
Once he has it, in theory, he's got one guy in front of him, one guy to his left, one guy to his right. He's got the pace himself to get in and, and beat people. If you give it to him on the left every time, he's always going to have to try and cut in on his right or wait for the overlapping fullback to come in uh, for the cross or he's going to have to find a way to get involved in the, in the centre. Bernadeschi, you can argue almost exactly the same thing. Okay? One of those guys, if you look at all the times that Nelson was starting this season as the attacking central midfielder, getting the ball, trying to run with it, losing possession. If you just switched Insignia and Nelson around, because it's not like Nelson can't play on you know wide left, I believe TFC would have made the playoffs. And I know some people are listening to this thinking, what difference does it really make if you switch two guys around? When you're talking about a guy like Insignia, he would and should be exactly what Jivinko was for, for TFC. He should be controlling the pace of the game. He should be basically running the show. He's the best player in MLS. But you wouldn't say so based on the season that we've, that we've seen. That's not to say that he hasn't been fucking class. Let's, let's be honest. There were things he did this season that made my jaw drop. But ultimately, he's better off playing behind a striker. You can put Bernadeschi out on the, on the right. That's fine for me. But then if you're doing that, you've got to play Insignia down the middle and somebody else on the left wing. How tasty would it be if Bernadeschi was striker with Insignia behind him? I mean, it sounds good in theory, uh, but I think that you still need a kind of a focal point of your attack, and neither of those two guys are a striker. Having said that, with individual brilliance alone, I, I, <laughs> they could make stuff happen. You know, TFC could play one of these... False nine formations with, with no actual recognized striker, and if those two are your, your two, you know, forward most players, they can make stuff happen. TFC can win games. So those are my thoughts. Like, yes, they've both been fantastic, but it wouldn't be fair to compare either of those two guys to, you know, the guys that were playing in the first half of the season, like a Jaden Nelson, because ultimately you're talking about world class Italian players on quarter of a million dollars a week, not local boy from down the road who's 18. So obviously they improved the team, and obviously they did well, and obviously they, yeah, like I say, produced moments of individual brilliance, but when you look at the results, and you look at the position in the league, they went down the league. You know, they, they did not improve their position at all, and they finished the season with those two world-class players in the team, 13th in the Eastern Conference, and that is not good enough. Yeah. Not making the playoffs is not good enough. Not even being close to making the playoffs is disaster. Um, let's finish off with the strikers then. So we had Akinola and we had Jimenez. Your thoughts? Jimenez was much better than I expected him to be in the first few games of the season. He scored seven in seven or something like that. The first, like he hit the yeah. ground running, let's put it that way. He had a great understanding with Pozuelo and I thought he was, he was decent, like really decent. And you saw after Pozuelo left, he wasn't the same player. He was the guy that was there, but with the two Italians either side of him, he was just kind of a, you know, lost in the shuffle a little bit, even though he was starting games and he was getting minutes. No, yeah, he was better than I was expecting him to be as well. I still don't know if he's the, the striker we want to rely on too much going forward. He's good to have in the squad, um, but building around him... Hmm. For me, though, the, the, the biggest disappointment was Akinola, and I don't necessarily 
blame the player in such a way. I think it's difficult to come back from from a terrible injury, but um, he hasn't he hasn't managed. And we've seen this before that that players having been out long term with with serious injuries, sometimes it's hard for them to get back to the level they were at. And before his injury, there was so much promise that I would have expected him also perhaps to make the World Cup squad. But now um, he hasn't been the same player. What are your thoughts? You have to bear in mind that he was a young player with a lot of promise, uh, wanted by the US and Canadian national teams, and he he looked fantastic, let's be honest. And he had a ruptured ACL, which is pretty much the worst injury you can get in football. And when you're a young player and you're coming back from that kind of injury, it's going to take time, he's going to need minutes. And I think it's fair to say that he, he, he's looked off the pace his first touch has been poor, and he doesn't quite look as settled as he did before. I think when the MLS is back tournament happened, and I think everyone remembers he came in and scored a hat-trick in the first game, he looked so hungry, he looked like he knew what he was doing, he looked like nothing could stop him. And I think now his confidence has taken a knock. I don't know if that's, I don't want to link it all back to Bob Bradley, but you can argue Bob Bradley has made him a worse player. So it's not that he's been bad, necessarily, but it just doesn't look like the player he had the promise to be this time two years ago. That's not to say that I still don't believe he can be decent, but uh, are TFC going to go into the new season with him as the starting striker? Probably not. And would TFC be better off, like Alan mentioned, playing a a false nine formation with the two world-class Italians as as the front two? Arguably, yes, he'd be better off doing that. All right, I think that... Pretty much wraps up our our season review. Um, yeah, not not a glaring, not a glowing report, I should say, but that is to be expected when you have a season like this. Yeah, any players, any other players that we didn't really mention? Or well, one thing, yeah, one player I'd like to bring up is uh, Jonathan Soria, who's been a player that I've absolutely loved watching for the last what is it now, eight or nine seasons. Just seeing him improve every season and get better and become more of a complete player. And now, obviously, he's going to Qatar, which is, you know, fantastic for him. It looks like his time with TFC might be up. And what I wanted to ask you, Alan, is if if you were looking at it from his perspective, you know, let's say he goes to the World Cup and he does what is expected of him, and that he has offers to play in Europe. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, playing for Manchester City or something, but just... You know, maybe he gets the offer from a, a Turkish club or a Belgian club or something like that. What would you do in his boots? <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't begrudge him if he does want to to go to Europe and, and test himself there. Um, I think there was a Panathinaikos or some a Greek club possibly interested in him. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not the Manchester City cities of the world that are, are probably going to pick him up. But you never know if he has an amazing World Cup. I mean, you're, you've seen values of players go up dramatically. Um, but no, I wouldn't begrudge him if he went to Europe. I do think whether he stays or goes, he's a, a complete success story for Canada. The first player, I think, that I can recall, who rose up the ranks in Canada with a Canadian club and rose all the way to the top of the, the game playing for in, in the World Cup. Um, I can't think of any other player that's done it. I mean, Dwayne De Rosario, of course, um, did it, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, domestically, but, but not with technically a Canadian club. Um, he couldn't, obviously. There wasn't no Canadian club at the time. So uh, Osario's had the opportunity. He's, he's grabbed it with both hands. And we'll see what happens, but I wouldn't begrudge him if he goes. 
I'd ha- it, w- it would depend on, on the offers, perhaps, and, and the, I don't know what, what Osario personally wants to um, to do and, and lifestyle-wise, and there's a whole lot of factors, but I certainly wouldn't begrudge him if he does go to Europe. Yeah, I think there's two ways to look at it from his perspective. You can look at the example of players that have gone to Europe and hit the ground running and you know have become mainstays in, in European leagues. He could also look at the example of uh, Richie Larea, who... You know, he went to Nottingham Forest to take the next step in his career and arguably had to then take a step back. That's not to say it would happen for Jonathan Osorio. He's not somebody who's getting this opportunity, you know, at a, at a very young age like a Daniel Henry did and took the opportunity and ended up, let's face it, messing up his career. I think that this would be the time. Um, and I think you can talk about Pozuelo leaving, you can talk about certain other players leaving. I think that the gap that would be left by Osorio leaving would be immeasurable. And I really do believe that, you know, if he's leaving, then it's, it's, it's going to be hard to replace him. I mean, we saw the effect that Marky Delgado leaving in the previous uh, off-season had on the team this season. I think it's a player that we, we missed a hell of a lot. And I think Osorio would, would, would be even more than that because Michael Bradley's not getting any younger. Yeah, Kay is going to, it's going to be decent, but I think there's going to have to be another decent central midfield signing for TFC in the off-season if they're going to improve on, on things. But when it comes to closing thoughts on the season, I think that, as we've seen with, with Insignia and Berndeski coming in, they've come in and TFC have been arguably worse off for it. And you have to be a certain level of shit as a manager for that to be the case. You know, if you say, here's two world-class players, go out and be worse than you were before. I, I honestly believe that TFC could sign Lionel Messi this offseason and still be not as good as they should be on paper, let's put it that way, uh, as long as Bob Bradley's the manager. I know that people are going to say, oh, look at Armas, he was even worse. Well, yeah, you can be the nicest guy in prison than the nicest guy. It's the same in prison. Uh, and I just feel like Personally, I would sack Bob Bradley and I would give a player-manager role to Michael Bradley and see what he can do. Because then when his career's up as a player, you can say, oh, if it didn't work out for you as a manager, you're out there anyway. And if it works that, you know, you, it's going well and you can transition, then guess what? We just buy a new centre-back or a new centre-midfielder and Michael Bradley's the full-time manager. That's what I would do. What do you think, Alan? What, where do you see the future of Bob Bradley at TFC? Well, I mean, where I see the future, what I would hope for are two different things. Where I see the future is Bob Bradley staying and uh, probably have transitional years until eventually MLSE sack him. In terms of replacing him, though, like in an ideal world, like I just, I don't want him at the club anymore. Just, again, nothing personal. And if he's listening to this, which he's probably not, but um, I don't have anything against the guy, but I just haven't seen anything in a whole season to suggest that this guy deserves the job long term um, despite you know a reasonable resume and you know ties to the club before even joining doesn't matter I haven't seen anything so yeah whether it's his son stepping up to be manager or someone else um, I would just be in favor of seeing a new manager take charge but don't think that's going to happen <laughs> yeah and on that note should we should we wrap it up then yeah so in the next episode we're going to talk about Canada's chances at the World Cup um at the time of recording, we, we don't even know the, the final 26, so we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, we'll get into it more in the next episode. Yeah, that's to come. So thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, see you next time.